Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. I am Mindy McCulley, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Specialist for Instructional Support at the University of Kentucky. Today, my guests are Allie Smith, doctoral candidate at the UK Department of Family Sciences. Allie is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And my other guest is Dr. Amy Kostelik, who is familiar to our podcast listeners. But Amy is an Associate Extension Professor for Adult Development and Aging. Of course, her focus is healthy aging, caregiving, fall prevention and death, dying and bereavement. Hi, Mindy. It's great to be back to the Talking Facts podcast. So happy to be a guest today. All right. So let's get right into our topic, which is creative outlets for grief. And of course, this is part of our series, Living with Loss playing the hand you are dealt, and we are going to really just jump right in. So during this past year in particular, loss and grief has not been uncommon. Many of us have experienced various degrees of loss from not being able to see family and friends to not being able to attend school or work in person. Some people have experienced financial losses. We have lost loved ones to COVID-19 or other illnesses or accidents. And in some cases, we have not been able to be by their side or have closure through a proper funeral or memorial. Some people have become sick due to COVID, or others are battling chronic or terminal illnesses. Perhaps there's been loss of independence. Some people's routines have been turned upside down and dreams have been shattered. Milestone moments have been deterred. Prom, graduations, driver's licenses, weddings, etc. So the bottom line is loss comes in all shapes and sizes, but one thing loss has in common is grief. Indeed, yeah, grief is definitely a natural reaction to loss. It's universal, or like you, you know, like you said, but it also is very personal. Sometimes grief can be described as being this heavy weight on your chest. When my brother died, even though it was um, almost 16 years ago, I still remember that feeling in my heart. It was like I had a giant hole in my heart. I no longer felt like myself or I felt like a piece of me with his passing was gone, like a part of me was missing. And I had never had that experience before. You know, I think the different types of loss can create different types of feelings. According to the Mayo Clinic, grief is strong. It's this overwhelming emotion for people. And it's it's really not uncommon for people to feel numb or even removed from life as if they're watching it go by from a distance. I remember feeling like that a bit too, that it was like the world kept going on. And I felt like, don't you know what happened today? Or don't you know that this person is gone? Um, I just wanted to scream it sometimes. Yeah, then I would have to kind of pinch myself and say, okay, I've got to move forward. I've got to keep living. You know, again, that's really kind of what he was a, a, one of my most significant losses. And I was young when it happened. I was in my early 20s. And I just remember I keep reminding myself, I've got to keep living. I completely understand that because I had a similar experience when my mother died in my late 20s. 
Yeah. And so I think it's really important to kind of think about grief in, in terms of an individual experience. So it's it's going to be influenced by the type of loss that you are experiencing. And I, I try to talk with my clients about this frequently, just in terms of, you know, you can't really prepare for grief. You, you don't know how it's going to impact you. you. You don't know how it's going to hit you, but we can work together. We can talk through it. We can try to make sense of it. And so, especially over the past year, I've worked with people through a lot of various types of losses. Like you you mentioned earlier, Mindy, you know, it could be the death of a loved one, the end of a meaningful relationship. So as, you know, a marriage and family therapist, sometimes this means helping people through divorce and also, you know, job loss that was, you know, very prevalent during, especially the beginning of the pandemic last year. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes this can be the loss of personal safety um, due to, you know, a traumatic experience like an assault. Ah, yes. I hadn't even thought about it that way, but certainly. And I know that this question is is probably very individual, but how long should someone grieve? Mindy, people ask that a lot, actually, is there a timeline to grief? And I don't really know that grief has a timeline and, and different things that you read will, will sort of say that same thing. But the psychological, the physiological symptoms, they certainly change over the time and you can expect them to change over time. But in truth, grief can really come and go or it can last for months and it can last for years, depending on the way in which you process it. Yeah. And so typically we're going to see grief in stages. So a lot of times shortly after a loss, you can feel something called acute grief. And this is, you know, when you're, you're feeling really sad, you're, you're longing for that person that you lost, you kind of go into your memories a little bit of this person or thoughts of what was, or maybe what, what could have been. And some people experience a lot of anxiety during this time. It's common to feel angry. And I think it's just important to realize that there's, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Ideally, these feelings that Allie is talking about are going to decrease over time or they kind of take a back seat. I don't know that they always go away for every person. I mean, like for me, for example, you know, I still feel that ache in my heart or that that missing piece of my brother in my heart, but it's not getting in the way of me being able to function for work or in my relationship in my marriage or or the way I just interact throughout the day. And if these feelings of grief don't become more manageable over time or they begin to interrupt activities of daily living, This might be what we call complicated grief. Um, This is the type of grief that prevents people from moving forward or fully functioning due to this lasting or overwhelming sadness or this distress that's been, you know, a reaction to this loss. In those instances, we'd really encourage you to reach out to a healthcare professional or reach out to someone like Allie that you can maybe talk to at a different level to try to work through those more complicated feelings that are interrupting your daily life. I think that's so important to point out. I love that you call it that hole in your heart. That's what I've always called it, the hole in my heart. And the older I get, I sometimes think that my heart probably is beginning to look like Swiss cheese because I've lost so many people that are are so special to me, but I wouldn't change it because those holes mean that I love someone dearly. So I I do love those holes, but I do understand that there is a point where we, we have to move on. And so we sort of have to learn to quiet our emotions and our minds without ignoring what is so real. How do we do that? I think you've heard me say this before, and I know Allie's heard me say it too, and I'm sure it's not a ther- it's not in the therapy books, but I always say at some point you've got to put your big 
your big kid undies on and pull them up. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't mean to make light of that or laugh about that when I talk about grief at all. But I say that because I didn't want to pull on my big kid pants when my brother died. I really did want to just crawl into a ball. And I thought, what is an analogy that's going to help me be functional? And that is, that's sort of how I looked at it. So I, I say that, but not really to be funny. I say that because that is what helped me to say, pull on your pants, Amy, because today is a new day. And today I've got to go to work. Today I've got to, you know, at that time I was in graduate school, I've got to finish my dissertation so that I can get a job. Um, and that was difficult for me because I wanted to call him. I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to run things past him and I couldn't do that. And so I, I just, that was what I said to myself, put on your big kid pants because this is my new life. This is the new hand um, that I've been dealt. And I really don't like these cards right now, but I'm going to have to learn how to play these. And, you know, this, in my opinion, this is sort of how that flow can start to happen. And this is how you can start to feel energized again and how you can start to feel alive again. And that can be sort of a weird transition too, because you might have guilt for feeling that way. And then you've got to, you know, realize I can't feel guilty because I'm still here. And then you've got to learn, you know, to live with that Swiss cheese and how that can make you stronger, what you can do with that as a turning point to say, okay, these events have happened, but as a result, I can do this through whatever it may be, a foundation that I've started, or, you know, you may be walking for Alzheimer's disease, or you're volunteering to give COVID vaccinations because of an experience experience that you had. And that's one way to channel the grief that you're feeling. Yeah. And Amy, like you said, a lot of people experience guilt, you know, if, if they do start to feel okay, or they do have happy moments while grieving. And so it's really important to know that it, feeling alive is okay. It's, it's healthy. It's normal. You shouldn't feel guilty for happy moments or laughing or for living because your loved one would, would want you to do that. And I think finding, you know, a meaningful way to feel inspired, I think is one way to help someone through grief, these creative outlets, you know, they can, like I said before, spark some sort of energy or excitement and they can, a creative outlet, I think can help you feel more in tune to yourself and to a situation and just helping move you forward with this new hand of cards that you've been dealt. So I, I love this idea of dealing with grief. Most of all, you know, we've talked about, I lost my mom when I was, um, I was a young mother and my husband was actually the one that said to me, you've got to come out of your funk because your children and I need you. And one of the ways that I was able to do that was just by recognizing that, that my mom needed me to live for my children and my husband, but also that my mom was a really creative person and I needed to be able to share her creativity too. And so I love this, but does using our creative outlets mean that we actually have to create something? That's a great question. And, and in my opinion, Ali, I don't know what you think, but I would say no. I don't think that you've got to create something. I think being creative is more about being I think one way to think about creativity or a creative outlet is thinking about it in a way in which you're in tune with yourself, allowing yourself to express yourself or or to move beyond or, or better yet, better yet to learn to live with 
you know, maybe that numbness that the grief has caused. It's about allowing, you know, really a way to let your light shine again. So then I think people have to think about this again, becomes really individual. People need to think about what motivates you, what moves you, what gets you out of bed in the morning. There's a Japanese word for that that I love. It's called ikigai. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. And I use it a lot in my classes. And I'll say to my students, what's your ikigai? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes you feel passionate? You know, can you find that? Do you have that? Or can you let that in? And I get it. It's not always easy to do this when you're feeling sad, when you have a heavy heart, you know, that is draining, that drains your energy. When you feel sad, you in the pandemic that has drained us. Sometimes I have to drag my bones up to my office, as Mindy and Allie know, to go do a zoom, or to go to a, you know, a meeting, yet another online meeting. And so I think having those moments, then when you can separate yourself from that and that lack of energy to find energy it can be really helpful if that makes sense. Right. So maybe zooming is not your icky guy, but seeing our faces is your icky guy. Maybe yeah, we can think yeah. of it that way. <laughs> you know, Mindy, and that's a good thought too. You know, there may be things again when you put your big girl pants on that you have to do that we don't want to do, right? I don't want to get out of bed to do a Zoom necessarily at eight in the morning, but you do. So yeah, what's the light at the end of that tunnel? Is it, you know, being able to see your smiling faces? Is it having that opportunity to interact and having a positive interaction first thing in the day and think, okay. Now I'm ready to go. You know, I've had a good way to start the day. So sometimes it may even just be rethinking, you know, can be a a part of a positive experience. Perspective, right? Yeah, perspective. So when you think of things with that new perspective, it certainly can't hurt to try to get your creative juices going. And what are some ways that people can express themselves to help cope with loss and grief? So a lot of times when we're thinking about creative outlets, people think of things like painting or maybe singing or dancing or something like that. But just to kind of loop in some historical stuff here that maybe some of you will will appreciate. I read that Shakespeare back in the endemic of 1564 uh, wrote King Lear and also started on Macbeth and Cleopatra at that time. And Sir Isaac Newton, who's a famous mathematician and scientist, he wrote his best work while quarantined during the bubonic plague. So this can really, I don't know, kind of tap into something that we call psychological creativity. So this is really our, our capacity to create something that can be super valuable to us. You might even surprise yourself while tapping into your psychological creativity. So for me specifically, I feel really inspired when I just like sit on my back porch. And when my maternal grandfather passed away back in 2015, uh, my grandmother gave me his guitar, his acoustic guitar. And so I started learning how to play um, as a result of that. And I feel really connected to him when I just, you know, sit outside and, and strum his guitar. And a lot of times I'm not even playing, you know, a real song. I'm just making, making it up as I go, but it can bring me a lot of peace. And it definitely got me through, you know, a really tough year that we that we all experienced together last year. So, I think it can be helpful to hear the ways in which other people have or find a creative outlet. Um, you know, string or strumming the guitar, Allie, I think is remarkable. And it's also a connection to your grandfather, which I'm sure is really meaningful and special. I, I sometimes take a, a really simple route. I, I love nature and I love being outside and I love just taking in the sights and the sounds and the smells without you know, earbuds in my ears. Uh, sometimes I'll let the dog out and I just like to watch him run 
and, and interact with a butterfly. And that can be really rejuvenating for me. Going on a walk, even going on a run, I can sort of get into my zone. And that that that's a good place for me to be, even if it's just for a short while. And it sometimes it's just a good reminder. Allie, I don't know if you feel that way on the back porch, but we're just sort of a small fleck in this really big world. And um, I think sometimes that's, I don't know, in a, in a weird way, maybe a, a good reminder of our, kind of our place. <laughs> Like Allie, my creative outlet links, links me to my loved one um, who has passed away. My mom had her own floral business and she grew her own flowers and then she turned them into beautiful works of art that she shared with other people. But I like to grow my own flowers and, and use them in my home. And so I get out in the flower bed and that's where I love to be creative and look at the beautiful nature and, and see how we can just really put colors together and make a different flowers really blossom and bloom and make beautiful creations. Mindy, I think it's really awesome that you're able to channel that inner creativity and kind of connect with your, your mother through um, floral arrangements and getting out in nature. And so I think, you know, everyone needs to kind of remember that sometimes you have to think beyond, you know, paintbrushes if watercolors aren't for you and get inspired by what you see and hear around you, as we've all talked about, really feeling inspired by being outside and being in nature. Um, And during the pandemic, for example, a lot of people have, you know, taken up new hobbies. You hear of people, you know, baking or learning to play instruments, lots of people making social media videos, taking photos or engaging in photography, writing. So people do this stuff because it, it's a distraction, yes, but it also makes you feel good and it can be really fun. And I think it can kind of create that spark that makes you feel alive again that Amy was talking about earlier. Yeah, and the bottom line too is that research demonstrates that engaging in a creative activity can actually lead to a positive state of mind. And this can help us take care of our mental health and our overall well-being in times of loss. So I think we definitely can't ignore the importance of finding a creative outlet or even just taking a few minutes to be there for yourself as as just a coping mechanism. So it sounds like creativity needs motivation. (laughs) I agree. Find a creative outlet because your well-being needs it. And sometimes we need that reminder to say, I've got to do this because it's good for me. And and it can be, um, like Allie said, it can be fun trying new things. It can be a distraction, which is sometimes you know, needed. And and maybe that little bit of a distraction can take away some of that guilt that Allie and I referred to earlier. When you start feeling guilty for feeling alive or being alive, or you feel guilty that you're going to work when you know your sister lost her job or whatever it may be, or that someone is sick and you're, you're not sick. You know, all those different scenarios that we've kind of gone over at the beginning of this podcast. And I think once you try it, you know, and we've all been there, we, we fuss and fuss. I had a niece, for example, I have my niece and she would not try cotton candy. And I promise I'll pull this in to make it make sense. And it was like, he just said to her, Morgan, try the cotton candy. She was itty bitty. And here we are trying to force sugar into her. And she, <laughs> no, no, no. And by the time she tried it, I mean, you can imagine the smile that just lit up her face and she loved it, you know, after we got her to try it. So sometimes I think we've got to remember those 
use examples in our lives too to say, yeah, I remember that. I did something I didn't want to do. I tried it and it actually worked out. And I'm glad that I did it. And so I think finding a creative outlet or allowing yourself to have that outlet can sort of be the same thing as the cotton candy or the broccoli. It's good for you. It, you tried it and you actually found that you liked it. And as a result, you can feel a degree of, of some energy or some sort of spark. You become more motivated. You might become more open-minded. I, I think if that outlet for you is intrinsically rewarding, that it actually makes you feel good on the inside, it's more likely that you're going to be open to doing it again. Yeah. And so I think it's also important to remember that we are so meant to be socially connected with each other. As humans, we just were social by nature. And so not doing this can really create some negative emotions. It can increase your stress. It can increase anxiety and maybe even contribute to depressive symptoms as well. And so creativity, this is something that can help combat that. It can help you feel better. So no matter what you do, it's really just important to you know express yourself to uh, improve your emotional and physical well-being. So for some people, um, it's helpful to get into a state of flow. And I think Amy brought this up earlier, but this concept was coined by a professor who was actually a Hungarian-American psychologist named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Um, and he discovered that people who experience, you know, this flow, they tend to describe it as kind of feeling a sense of timelessness. So like being in the zone. So being in a sense of flow, this can happen when you're really fully immersed in an activity. Um, you're being really mindful. You are feeling intense, satisfying feelings. A lot of times you're, you're feeling focused, you're engaged. And, you know, sometimes you can lose a little bit of awareness of time. You know, being in a state of flow is going to kick on those feel-good chemicals in your brain. And it's going to, you know, help promote some happiness and accomplishment and even maybe a little bit of confidence as well. Love that concept of flow clearly because I said it earlier. And that's why I think I also enjoy running and walking and being in nature. For me, like I said before, the world just stops, even if it's temporarily, and I can just be. And I think in a bereaved state, our thoughts are often racing. And sometimes we become overwhelmed with no negative thinking and we have a difficult time finding flow or engaging in creative acts that can help clear our minds like we were talking about earlier and create this degree of focus. So in that sense, again, I think creativity can help calm, it can help relax the brain and certainly research demonstrates that as well. And, and think about it too. Think about what can be therapeutic, you know, is it therapeutic for you to garden? Like, you know, a little bit what you were talking about, Mindy, with the flowers and your mom, Allie with the guitar. I, you know, I, I can find therapy in brushing my dog, you know, and just that soothing motion of, of going through his fur. I've heard other people talk about it with, you know, riding a horse, um, cleaning or organizing a house. You know, it's, it's kind of bringing order and, and bringing your brain into that focus. And, and certainly time, if you're that engaged in it, like uh, Professor Mihai Chik sent me high talks about you can really become you know lost in that feeling of timelessness which which can be important as we try to move forward with our grief i love that that concept of flow and i have found that creative outlets do allow me to just go go deeper into into me and help me reflect on what is important um, and so i i think that we all need to kind of find that place within ourselves right Thank you for exploring creative outlets and grief with me today. I hope that people listening will feel inspired or motivated to do one thing that creates a spark. 
even if you have to challenge yourself, as you might find that rush of dopamine, the feel-good chemical in your brain, will make you feel happy. And then you can learn that a creative outlet can be a tool that aids your well-being. Yeah, if you learn one thing today from this chat, <laughs> we really hope that you engage in you know some sort of creative challenge. Yes, and try to just indulge yourself at least once a day, even if it's just for a few minutes. It can have a really powerful impact on you. I appreciate both of you for joining me today. And to our listeners, if you've just joined us, you have been listening to the Talking Facts podcast. We are available wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.